0: Welcome to another episode of Stamper Cinema, the film discussion podcast where you choose it, I watch it, and we discuss it. As always, I'm your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for joining us. If you are new to Stamper Cinema, again, hello. Um, Definitely please make uh, yourselves at home here. Please subscribe. Tell your friends. Check out my website, StamperCinema.com. Of course, you can listen to it anywhere, but on the website, I've got a few little goodies on there where you can read some blogs. Uh, You can leave voicemails, you can leave reviews. Hint, please leave a review, would greatly appreciate it. And I don't know, there there are a couple other little fun features there. Also, there's even an invitation if you'd like to be a guest on Stamper Cinema. Now, moving forward for today, we've got a really exciting show. We're going to have Josh Trimberger, who's also a podcast host, and he'll be out here in just a few minutes. And the film we're going to be covering is a doozy. We're going to be going back to 19, what is it, 1995. And we are going to be covering the legendary film, Empire Records, Um, a movie that, well, it had about like a $10 million budget, made like $300,000. So to say it it didn't quite perform in the box office would be a major uh, understatement. Now, Josh and I are going to get into it and talk a little bit about why that was. But if you haven't seen this film, this is a movie that launched many a career, Uh, but um the cast includes Anthony LaPaglia, Maxwell Caulfield. So for anybody that's all, ever saw Grease 2, uh, let's see, Debbie Mazar, Rory Cochran, uh, who was on uh, uh, Days Confused earlier when we covered when we covered that he played Slater on Days Confused. Uh, but you, we also have Robin Tunney, Renee Zellweger, a very young Renee Zellweger, um, and also Liv Tyler and a myriad of other people that I'm forgetting uh, the film essentially focuses on a independent record store uh, on one particular day. And it's a day that's going to change everybody's lives. Uh, They're going to learn something about themselves. It's kind of a coming of age, romantic comedy, um, you know, day in the life uh, story. And it's a fun ride. I admit I saw this not in the theater, but pretty darn soon upon its release on vhs slash uh its introduction to hbo and one of the major reasons why i fell in love with it is the soundtrack uh iconic soundtrack and uh the big bangers on that album was till i hear it from you by uh, gin blossoms of course you also have music from the cranberries you've got a girl like you by edwin uh collins and a tons of other really great tracks. And of course, there's also the song Sugar High by Coyote Shivers. Now, fun fact, in the movie, Renee Zellweger sings the song Sugar High with Coyote Shivers singing along with her. But on the CD, it's only just the the coyote shiver so we never get a renell's that Zellwe- renee zellweger uh version which is a bummer it's a travesty we, we we need that we need that cut out there i'm rambling on um josh is going to get into all of this when that when we bring him out but um at this point this movie is amassed a major major cult following and let's just hear what a what a, a resident super fan of empire records has to say about it again josh hello How's it going, man? Thank you very much for uh,
1: for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, I, like you, I'm really excited because we get to talk about one of my, certainly one of my top 20 uh, coming-of-age films from the 1990s. I know that sounds like kind of like all over the map, but there were like a billion coming-of-age films from like the 1990s. But uh, I mean, especially when it comes to music and Empire Records is definitely in that list. But before we get into con- uh, conversing about the film, would you would you uh, mind introducing the listeners to who you are, what a little bit about you, and where you're located, and all that all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, my name is Josh Tremberger. Um, I also host a podcast called Trim TV, where we talk about TV shows. That- and see if it's worth your time or not. Um, In my day job, I work for um, one of the biggest investment banks in the country in uh, their cryptocurrency unit. So I'm one of the few people who can say they actually have a legitimate cryptocurrency job. Uh, So that's always fun. Um, I'm a former minor league hockey player. um, And yeah, TV and movie fanatic. And I uh, am based in Dallas.
0: Awesome, awesome. Now, how long have you had your podcast going?
1: Um, so, I think I've done that one for about six months. Uh, before that, it was um, more like video essays, and then before that, it was more of a blog. So, it's the latest iteration is podcast, and that's been about six months.
0: <laughs> right on, right on. Now, for somebody that's also big into television, what are what are some of the what are some of the shows that you enjoy watching?
1: Um, so I'd say my favorite comedy is probably Veep. Um, and then uh, Saturday, uh, so like two or three days ago, uh, we just filmed The Expanse. Um, so we talked about The Expanse sci-fi show for probably like two or three hours. And that should be coming out in probably like a week or two.
0: I don't know if I know anything about Expanse. What, uh, where, What is that on?
1: Um, so it was originally a sci-fi show and then sci-fi dropped it and Amazon picked it up. Uh, it's based on a book series and essentially uh, Earth, Mars and the belt. There's people out living in the asteroid belt. They're all kind of fighting each other. Um, and it's 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 kind of like the West Wing in space, essentially.
0: OK, cool. Uh, Veep, certainly one of the the funniest comedies, I think, ever. I, I love I love that. I love that show so much. And the like, the crazy thing is I still haven't finish like the final like six or seven episodes so i don't know i i know the show's been gone for several years but I've, i i just enjoy going back and watching like the first like four years over and over and over again that i just haven't been able to conclude the show so um i'll get there i'll get there eventually but i think i've seen that those first four seasons good five six times each uh such such great writing but yeah. i love that yeah you're a big fan of that as well
1: yeah, I'd highly recommend finishing it. I actually think that has um, one of the better endings to a series um, in recent history. So I definitely recommend finishing it.
0: Nice. All right. So Josh, I mean, in the immortal words of the door is the time to hesitate is through. Am I right? So I think awesome. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into talking a little Empire Records. So what I typically have uh, the guests do if they're interested is kind of explain why you want to talk about this movie or even or even simply what this movie is about for the listeners that maybe have not seen empire records which is a damn shame if they haven't seen it but
1: yeah so i think what makes this special for me and um like it's not necessarily the greatest storyline but what makes it special for me was the experience of watching it with the people i watched it with um and I think that's true about like several different movies, Um, whether it's you've seen this in the theater or if you saw it in your friend's basement. Um, That experience adds a lot to the movie. Um, And for me, it was, you know, watching this with like my best friends in high school and we would just quote it uh, to each other nonstop. Um and it was just one of those movies that really connected us and it was one of the first times that uh I at least saw you know myself on screen like I'm uh I'm one of those like weird kids who like doesn't like pop music you know <laughs> I'm I'm more of a mark where like I tend to like the heavier stuff mm-hmm. um so that's kind of like my relationship with the movie um and then for what it's about uh Lucas is uh Lucas uh, Um, is tasked with closing the store uh, for the first time. And while he's trying to close up the store for the night, he discovers that uh, the Music Town conglomerate is trying to take over his little record shop. So Lucas ends up taking the deposit. uh, He's supposed to deposit into the bank, out to Atlantic City, and gambles it all away, uh, trying to save the store. And then uh, the next 24 hours is really where the movie takes place. um, And we find out um, all the different plans to try and save the store. And then we also delve into this group of friends, like their backstory and their tragedy and their the things they're just dealing with every day, which um, it was a lot of the same things that, you know, a typical high schooler was dealing with as well.
0: Not that nails it. I mean, that's definitely the movie, right? I mean, so this movie came out in 95, written by, who was it? Carol Haikinen or something like that, I think, uh, directed yeah, by I believe so. uh, Alan Moyle, 90 minute film. Um, yeah, I mean, cast of Anthony LaPaglia, Maxwell Caulfield, Debbie Mazar, Rory Cochran, who plays Lucas, who you just referenced, uh, Robin Tooney, Renee Zellweger, a very, very young Renee Zellweger and a very even younger Liv Tyler who i think when they were filming this movie she was still a minor i think she was like 16 or 17 and 17 yeah 17 years old yeah so i think she had to have a chaperone uh follow her around uh while they while they were filming this and the legend goes that everybody had a mad crush on Liv Tyler during like the filming i think um Ethan Embry uh talks about it and uh Ethan Embry obviously has a, a major major role in this movie He was kind of like kind of like the king of like nerdy like 90s guys in a way he was kind of like i don't know like um Oh, my God, who would I compare him to, to the 80s? Like Anthony Michael Hall a little bit. He had like kind of like a 90s oh, yeah. version of like an Anthony Michael Hall thing going on. But you mentioned like whether you saw this movie in the theater or in uh, like your your buddy's basement. I think the latter is probably the case for many people because this movie really didn't make any money in the box office. I mean, no. like none to say it, it tanked would be a massive understatement, right? Uh, because the the movie had like a roughly like a $10 million budget. But it made about three hundred grand in the box office, so um, and nobody saw this, but yet everybody did see this movie. It just it crushed when it came out to like to video or like HBO. And I know when I was a kid, and not to you know date ourselves or anything, but I was all over this movie probably like my junior year of high school when this movie came out like on VHS and watched it you know a, a good hundred or so times and just. <laughs> just absolutely fell in love so what was your 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 origin story with this movie
1: um it was very much i think this movie is very much one that like your older brothers and sisters passed down and that's kind of how it got introduced to our friend group so my friend my best friend in high school emily her old, old her older brother passed it down to her older sister who passed it down to us <laughs> and yeah that i think that's how it you know gains its cult classic status and it was just the best times um so it, we would basically uh just yell quotes at each other like in school cuz memes didn't exist yet <laughs> um yeah so it was just a fun time seeing uh kids that looked like us that you know acted like us on screen um and that was something we hadn't really seen before
0: yeah no for sure and uh, like I you know screw it, we'll just get into it right now because uh, you reference like dialogue this movie is very very quotable and uh, like tons of little little quips now granted Lucas had 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 the bulk of them um you know with his uh talking like the the Chinese guy from the karate kid but uh there are tons <laughs> of of lines that there are, are there any that like stand out to you that you're that you definitely like, are are some of your favorites?
1: Yeah, so I actually wrote down a couple uh, when I was taking notes. Uh, My life has reached its pinnacle, love that one. Um, I'm guided by a force much greater than luck. Uh, Who knows where thoughts come, they just appear. (laughs) Uh, we uh, We mustn't dwell, not today, we can't, not on Rex Manning Day uh always play with their minds mm-hmm. uh i don't feel the need to explain my art to you <laughs> uh, uh damn the man save the empire damn i am the man save the empire yeah, i say that to this day yep. almost daily um and then one that i uh, found that was cut out um it's on the dvd but i was in denver last night and watched it again so i had to rent it from apple and they actually cut it out um so it's when rex manning gets propositioned by Corey for uh, oral sex he's really not into it um so he shakes he grabs a bottle he unzips his zipper grabs a bottle of blue cheese shakes it and goes do you like the taste of blue cheese uh, so they actually cut that from uh, the rental, but it is on the DVDs because there are several different versions of this movie out in the wild.
0: You know, I, I that's that's a really interesting point uh, because of the fact that this movie, there are a lot of different versions and shit. I mean, there's basically almost like an entire movie that's been deleted, really, because the movie has like well over a half hour, like yeah. somewhere I think like close to like forty minutes of deleted uh, material the 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 studio wanted a film the the director wanted a different film and and then they had a bunch of things The cut out characters or a few like actors in the movie that they just completely cut out uh, some characters that had larger roles that they got kind of reduced and which as a result yeah just a myriad of different things so there there are some scenes that will kind of like sneak around that you can you can find little clips I mean. They did the whole music video, even of the uh, Mona Moore uh, song, which is which is pretty wild. So it wasn't just like a little clip. I mean, you can even find the whole video of that. I mean, just a, a ton of different things. But sticking with the lines uh, or the the dialogue, trying to think. Let's see. Was there anything? I think you said always, always play with their minds. I think well, you did say um, was it Welcome to Music Town. May I service you a little Renee Zellweger there? Uh, oh, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh! Uh, I, j- I referenced it a little while ago, but what's with you? <laughs> Yesterday you were you were normal, and today you're you're like the Chinese guy from the Karate Kid. What's with you today? <laughs> and then Lucas goes, "What's with today? Today? What's with today? Today?" Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I already said in the mortal words of the doors, the time to hesitate is through, and of course, as always, damn the man, save the empire. you but the yeah, empire. just Love just, that just one. quotable, and I admittedly. Going back and watching this movie, I hadn't really seen it in years. And I'm not going to say the movie holds up or, or stands up because the movie is not fantastic. It's a simple story, but it's enjoyable. And it does take you to a very, very specific time. A time where record stores existed, because I don't even know if if they do anymore, really. I, I can't. Uh, I mean, I can't think of one. Like, not in that sense. I mean, they're, they're like stores now, like record stores are back to the whole idea of a record store. So kind of like like vinyl stuff, right? I mean, we've got a couple here in the Atlanta area. I'm sure Dallas have them. Um, I lived in Austin, Texas for several years, and we've got a few down there. But now, are you from the, the Dallas area originally?
1: Um, I was born here, but I actually grew up in Birmingham. So not, not too far from you.
0: Right on, man. Right on. Um, okay. So... <laughs> I'm trying to think let's see we we reference kind of things that immediately got kind of get cut but i'm sure in your research you saw this something i was not aware of at all but toby mcguire was uh, originally like uh, supposed to be in this film and he kind of bailed because he wanted to pursue b- the, the idea of being a writer uh, which i find very fascinating what what this movie would have looked like with a very young toby mcguire imagine not too much different but It is kind of funny to think of where his career would would be because, I mean, this movie did launch several careers. So would he have maybe have been Spider-Man? I don't know. But it is interesting to think of a world where Tobey Maguire is in this movie.
1: Yeah, I I saw that as well. Apparently, they cast him as a character named Andre. Uh, There was another character that got cast. um, I believe it was an Asian female um, you can see her in some of the background scenes. If you see anybody with knee pads on, that was the uh, the female character that got cut out. But yeah, apparently um, at the time, Toby was battling alcohol alcoholism mm. and um he, he said he had a screenplay he wanted to write and you know he went to the director and just explained everything and you know luckily the director was like yeah man go take care of your mental health yeah that's fine go back to LA we'll we'll cut you out of the movie it's all good mm-hmm. so it, it's always good to see uh, a director being kind because yeah. I mean there's always those stories of like just the asshole director so always glad to see them trying to take care of their people
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm trying to think there's, oh, Green Day. Uh, So uh, Billy Joe Armstrong was supposed to originally play the part of Burko, and, but I think they were like on tour and they couldn't do it. And so the uh, uh, the Cowboy Shivers uh, dude, uh, he ended up getting, getting that part. Um, Angelina Jolie. Uh, was supposed to uh, allegedly have uh, played the, the role, I believe, of Dev in this as well. Yeah, which I
1: and think- they said that she was just too powerful. I guess like she did a couple of um, script reads with the cast, and they said they she she was like too good. She was essentially just taking all the focus away. So they're like, yeah, this is probably isn't going to work. We need somebody a little a little lesser known.
0: I love stories where you hear about whether it's uh, it's an actor just completely like, over well, not really overacting, but just like crushing it so hard that everybody feels weird or uh, just in the, the ways of music, just like the the old uh, story of like Les Claypool trying out for like Metallica and then like them being like, what the hell? This guy's insane. Not not like too good. We sorry. Sorry, Les, but you, you can't you can't be in Metallica. Um, but I love these stories where you hear these these really killer performances and they didn't get the part because they were, they were too good for something. I don't know. I'm, I'm always fascinated by the, by those stories.
1: Yeah. And like, I totally get that aspect. Cause it sounds like what this person's too good to play this role. But like, I've seen like TV shows where it's like, this person is acting so well. It's like, they're in a different movie or a different show and they're just like crammed into this. And it, their, their part is good. it just doesn't work because actors can't keep up with them.
0: Yeah. You mentioned earlier that you kind of like identify with, you know, uh, some of the characters in this movie. Now, I guess what did you actually, uh, specifically about like jobs? Did you have any high school jobs yourself? Obviously this takes place in a music store. Did you have any, any fun, uh, high school jobs that, that, you kind of latch onto when when you watch this movie.
1: Um, unfortunately, not. Uh, this movie did make me want to work at a record store, but my <laughs> small town outside of Birmingham, we didn't have one. Um, but I, I did end up working at Domino's for a couple years in high school, nice. uh, and unfortunately, nothing like Empire Records.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and hell, there is a there is a pizza delivery guy in Empire Records too, uh, as yeah, well. Eddie. Yeah, Eddie. Yeah. Um, how about your, your first CD like that you would have that you would have purchased?
1: Oh, God. Um, it was probably something terrible. <laughs> I want to say, so at that time, um, my first CD would probably have been like middle school-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was super into like wrestling and the WWE. So I think it was probably <laughs> something stupid like Limp Biscuit or something. Right. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, okay. So you said... think you said you kind of latch on to a mark uh, to mark a little bit what what about him would you say that he's your favorite character or just one that you kind of identified with a little bit more
1: um so i identified with him he's not necessarily my favorite i think probably lucas is my favorite just because he has all those great lines and quips um but i identified with mark like 'Cause he, you know, he has great aspirations. He wants to start a band. He wants to, you know, be up there singing and leading the band. Um, and you know, in high school I had great aspirations too. And um I, I he was the the character who's into like the more heavier music. And mm-hmm. me personally, I'm into like the metal stuff more than I am um like the softer stuff. Um but I would also say like I I heavily um was able to relate to Deb too because like in high school i I did not have a good home life like Mm -hmm. i was essentially on my own at 16 um so you know she didn't have a good home life. Luckily, I never attempted suicide. Um, but yeah, there was um, a couple of years where like I didn't attempt suicide, but honestly, didn't care if I was alive. And mm. that's that's really how Deb felt. Yeah. Um, so I was able to relate heavily to her as well.
0: You know, you bring that up, and 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 by the way, thank you for for sharing for sharing your story. I one thing that. I like about this movie, but the movie also I feel stops itself short a little bit is when I mentioned earlier, kind of the movie, it's kind of like in between two films, one movie where they they want to explore some issues, but then the other on the other side, they play it really, really safe in in many respects, because of the fact that we do get a little insight to, you know, to Deb and, you know, what she's dealing with, but it, it doesn't really spend enough time i feel to really allow the audience to kind of think about what you know her home life or even people like high school kids that are dealing with you know uh kind of mental health or having a troubled family i mean it kind of it kind of just gets it just kind of scratches at the surface without really getting into there and then other adult subject matter like there's really not much in the way of for example like drinking or or drugs, but it's hinted at, and then they're going to have a pot brownie thing and which is kind of funny. But again, don't they they don't really ever really tackle anything. Everything in this movie, which takes place over the course of one day, is just all kind of like done not really as a vignette, but kind of kind of vignette like in the sense they're just kind of little nuggets without really getting into it, I feel just no ideas really truly Explored even uh, what's his face is like with the um, wanting to go to like art school and the drama of his life. Everything is just so kind of like surface level without really exploring anything, which might be tricky because it's kind of an ensemble. But the movie. I mean, it's it's a it's a fast 90 minutes because everything there's just so many different little things going on where they don't really take the time to explore much. Would you agree?
1: Oh, yeah. And I think you nailed it on the head. It is essentially two movies smashed together. And that was because the director, Moyle, he wanted to make this an R-rated movie. And then that's when the studio came in and was like, oh, hell no, we're not doing that. Um, So they essentially took the film away from him, made their edits to get it down to PG-13. So that's why like some of some of the storylines like the c and d plots don't necessarily make that much sense they kind of appear out of nowhere it was just because they edited it out the studio did mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I totally agree um that i i want to see that original r-rated director's cut i don't know if we ever will but i, I feel like that would just make this movie even better
0: yeah, the 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 Snyder cut of uh, Empire <laughs> Records, yeah, one where this movie is like two and a half hours long. I mean, I'd be interested. I'd I'd want to know, because the movie, it, it's it's a fun ride for what it is. But yeah, you can you just get the sense that it, it's just not a complete complete picture. And even um, oh my god, what is Renee uh, Zellweger's character's name? Uh, shit, let's pull it up. Uh, Gina. Sounds right. Yeah, maybe. Um, but like even her character isn't fully developed and, you know, her singing on the rooftop, you might think that would be kind of something I feel they could. have Yeah, Gina, they could have tackled a little bit about like whether like stage fright or her singing. They, there could have been something that made that moment a little bit more poignant with her being on the rooftop singing. Just again, just things that weren't completely fully developed. And that but, seems
1: still good. like it's I agree. It's not fully developed. Um like the extent we see of her nervousness is her just like shaking her hands, like Mm -hmm. nervously, um, which it definitely could have been developed more, but that scene still gives me goosebumps. Um, I I, I love her singing on that. And I'm very sad to see, uh, that we didn't get, uh, so on, on the soundtrack sugar Mm -hmm. high, uh, by coyote shivers is on the soundtrack, but it is not the version with her singing. Um, so, I, I I very much feel like her version is the elite version and should have been on the soundtrack.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It would be great if they would have had that, that version on the soundtrack. Now, I think that's a, probably a good segue to getting into talking about the music from this film because a lot of music. I mean, the whole – and what's – I think another element where there's kind of like a studio uh, aspect of who – who they who who made it onto the soundtrack because it's still pretty pretty safe in many respects on like who you know uh, that there's to my knowledge there, there's no guar on uh, on the soundtrack although guar literally has a, a, a scene in the film, but you get, you know, music from the gin blossoms and the cranberries, uh, Edwin Collins, obviously, you know, those those songs are in the film. But they could have, you know, there could have been a little a uh, little bit more edginess to it. I, I feel they could have, you know, they could have had some guar going on there. Or I think what what was the the song that Mark was lit when when he when he busted out in the store? Because I don't think that was by guar,
1: but uh, I think it was by maybe Suicidal Tendencies. It's yeah. another heavier band. Yeah. And that's why the people at the store don't really enjoy it and they veto it. <laughs> Um, um, but that Guar scene, um, apparently, they saw flyers for a Guar show while they were in North Carolina filming, and that wasn't supposed to be in the movie. It was just something that the actors were like, "Hey, well, what if we went into the Guar show and filmed a little?" Um, and that's what they did. And apparently, it was during a live Guar concert, and the fans didn't really know what was going on, so they they filmed. Uh, the music video they did like three or four times, and then continued on with their show, and the fans were apparently very confused. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, now, I think also to discuss a little bit, like critically, we, we mentioned audience-wise, nobody saw the critics were not a big fan of this film, but the movie still found its audience because if you were to go on Rotten Tomatoes, I think that's was like a thirty percent approval rating yeah. based on critics, but you look at the audience. We're we're we we definitely uh, appreciate this movie far more to the point of, I believe, 83 percent audience approval. So the. I don't know, it, there there's something very just endearing and fun about this movie that, again, just even though it's very, very surface level and doesn't really take a deep dive and explore anything at all, there's still it, it's just a, a fun, fun movie. And even then it was fun by those that that watched, like I said, immediately, immediate like cult status. When people did discover this movie, it wasn't a movie that needed 10, 15, 20 years to, to find its audience. I mean, like from, from the go, like from the go, the moment that this movie hit like HBO or VHS, everybody was sharing this movie. Everybody loved it. I don't think it hurt that a uh, Tyler being, in it, it was kind of, you know, it was just kind of like, Hey, here's a movie with Liv Tyler. Cause now she's doing a music video for, for Aerosmith and, and uh, which, you know, obviously lit some, you know, created some fan buzz there. But this movie, it, it, it's interesting because you often hear a movie that develops cult-like status. It's a movie that does need time to marinate. Where this one, it was just kind of an instant example of that it just, the movie didn't get an opportunity really in the theaters to to find its audience. But then quickly when when it did, it, it blew up, which... I don't know. I I think of movies like that because this movie it came out in the 90s. There were movies back in the 80s that would have um, a similar fate, but it would take them literal years upon years for audiences to discover, for example, a movie like The Monster Squad, which is a movie that holds like a lot of uh, love and adoration today. But nobody knew about it then. And it took a long time for for audiences to find it where a little movie about the which is fun because it you kind of juxtapose it or it kind of balances nice where it's the a record store's final day and everybody is going to go and celebrate and they're going to try to save this record store and and in a way that they they kind of did uh, the, the the this movie kind of saved uh, itself of like hey nobody's going to see this in the theater but we're all going to love this movie and we're all going to appreciate this this kind of Imperfect yet highly enjoyable little piece of a '90s—I don't know—like coming-of-age comedy drama, if you will.
1: Yeah, I like I—I I don't think the the studio did this movie any favors at all. Um, So they were really into it at first. Um, They tested it, I think, uh, around L.A. uh, with like a white middle class audience tested phenomenally. And then they tested it again um, with uh, in uh, a Hispanic neighborhood. And Mm. there are zero people of color in this movie. It is really white. So of course it they you know those people can't re- find people to relate to in this movie. So of course it it scored much lower, and that freaked the studio out so much that they originally had like this big billing for it. They were going to promote it. Um, it was going to be in two thousand screens across the country. So once that bad review happens, they ended up pulling this and only showing it on 87 screens. So not even 100. Um, And that was like a far cry from the 2000 that they were supposed to show. So, yeah, the studio just I don't know why they got so scared. Like they invested $10 million in this film and then just for some reason got scared at the last second to pull the trigger.
0: Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm literally going through the cast. Just, I mean, I can't believe I mean, how it escaped me. But yeah, there's. I think, with the exception to like one Asian female, there, there's not like a single person of color in this entire entire film. Nope.
1: We're, yeah, yeah I'm, that's one of the negatives as well. Um, yeah, I, they definitely need, should have done better with the casting, even though the casting is phenomenal. They they definitely could have could have added some diversity to it
0: Mm -hmm. now many things in this movie has kind of taken on a new life obviously uh damn the man save the empire is a a phrase that you, you hear often this movie also is uh very famous for april 8th which is known as rex manning day which uh is something that has created its own little meme life as well now april 8th uh, to many is a day to celebrate uh, Rex Manning Day, but it's also April eighth, I believe, the day that they found Kurt Cobain, um, which you know, Kurt, uh, like Kurt April eighth, yeah, yeah, of uh, in nineteen ninety four. So I don't know, um, just kind of like a little correlation because of the fact that uh, we we celebrate Rex Manning Day, but to many also in the music, uh, you know, that that were big fans of of nineties music. April 8th is a day that is synonymous with something else. But just kind of like adding to the lore and fascination of this movie.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, Every every year I tend to celebrate Rex Banning Day. Um, So I I pop on Empire Records, have, you know, some blue cheese flavored snacks. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's a good time. It's a good excuse to to throw on Empire Records.
0: Now, Josh, I have to know, are there, is there anything, because I mean, we, this movie... It's it's a simple story and it's such a short film. And I just want to know, are we doing anything a disservice? Are we are we forgetting? Are we overlooking anything?
1: Um, if you have any fans in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, you can actually go visit the outside of the sets. Uh, it was a real building. It is uh, I have the address uh, five South Front Street in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I believe that um, that mural of Gloria Estefan is still there. Um What is is that address?
0: I'm going to take a look and see how long of a drive that is. Uh, What's that address? 5
1: South Front Street in Wilmington, North Carolina. And uh, while you're looking that up, I would would just say to your fans, uh, if you can track down a DVD, that is probably the superior way to watch this. Uh, It has about uh, 17 minutes and four scenes uh, that are extra to the one that you can find on, uh, Apple for rent or, uh, to buy it on Apple. Uh, but that one truly does add a lot. Um, cause they, they ended up cutting a lot of the transitions. So like we were saying earlier, some of the, um, some of the characters just like pop up without much of an explanation. And, um, there's a line at the end. So at the end of the movie, uh, the heroes essentially win; they save the store, um, they're trying to make up nine thousand dollars because that's what Lucas lost at the casino, and that's what they need to pay the boss back. Um, so in the in the edited version I watched last night, um, Mitchell, the boss, they're trying to um, get the money back for. Uh, he says something to the effect of, um, "I'll, I'll take, I'll sell Empire Records to you for cheap." Uh, so in the in the DVD version, he says that he's going to sell it to him for cheap because they didn't meet the $9,000. They only made 3000 So they're still missing that that difference, which um, <laughs> I, I thought was weird to cut out because, like, it doesn't really make that much sense. Like, it definitely flows better if you have that little bit of a backstory. Mm-hmm. It was just weird because they make those little decisions where they're, like, cutting 10, 20 seconds out here and there. Um, I don't know. It was just... It just seems odd that they cut 17 minutes out of it.
0: Yeah, they're I'm always fascinated whenever you hear about these movies that that when they they just chop things up and then it goes out and people like and like eh, people aren't going to notice this. People aren't going to pay attention or or just we just blatantly like overlook certain elements. Like I covered Dune on here uh, earlier, like the, the 80s version of Dune and. It's like the first half hour is so developed and then then they get into a war and they just completely like skip the war and then the movie's over. And I'm just always fascinated with movies just when it comes to editing, like the cuts that people take out of out of films, even things that are just simple enough to help explain this, this, that or the other. Just even even like some transitional scenes that will just kind of help make sense from this moment to like kind of like that little connective tissue. So I'm always fascinated by that. Now, right. All right. I guess really the main question I've got for you is we we've discussed this movie and you reached out you wanted to cover. So what is it about this movie that you wanted to talk about today? What did what were you hoping that we would get out of this uh, conversation other than just having a mutual appreciation for Empire Records?
1: Um yeah, I just want people to go watch it. It's it's you know, it's become more popular, but honestly, not enough people are talking about it. Um, I know it's from like '96, so it's it's pretty old and out of people's you know thought process. But yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, if you have a, a group of music-loving friends, definitely get together, uh, throw this on, and um, you know, dance, sing along, uh, just have a good time. It's it's a fun time, uh, and I highly recommend it.
0: I love that. Now, in our final couple of minutes, when we talk about, because this movie is also well well uh, regarded because of its soundtrack, do you have any other, like, 90s or even maybe even 80s films or, shoot, early 2000s, like, so- soundtracks are
1: some of your favorites? Um... um none that come to mind. Um, I like... Uh, Some of the stuff i think it's han zimmer does even Mm. though it's it's more like instrumental stuff but i think he's probably the best um soundtrack person in the game just like whatever he touches turns out phenomenal
0: yeah um yeah regarding like han zimmer i'm always fascinated by him because if you look at his stuff that he was doing in the the 80s to where his music has kind of like grown it's just completely different like I want to run through just while I've got you here. Yeah. So like, for example, like you, you often will think of like Hans Zimmer now with like some of the stuff that he's done with Christopher Nolan. Like so like Batman and Inception, kind of like these really, really big, big pieces of music. But I also think of like stuff that he did in the 80s, like he did Rain Man, which is in a completely different type of vibe when you when you listen to that music or in the early nineties when he did a uh, true romance, completely different style of music that, that he had um, in, in those movies where now it is pretty big. Like when you just look at some of the kind of the, the, the pieces that he's kind of known for today, they're just very, very strong, very, very powerful, where '80s it was a little bit more subdued. Um, so I I'm a big fan, big fan of, um, of Hans Zimmer uh, pieces and let, let me try yeah, like
1: uh, some of those producers can get pigeonholed in like oh i can only do action or i can only do comedy but like he can do anything from action comedy and <laughs> animation like whatever you have on film he's going to create the perfect score for you
0: yeah yeah let's see a uh, gladiator was another one that comes to mind uh, recently he did dune we mentioned i mentioned the 80s one but he did the 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 recent interstellar one. as well. Yeah. Interstellar. Yeah. Basically anything with Christopher Nolan as well. Um, yeah. all right. So talk while well, I've got you, because now I want to know, talk to me about hockey.
1: Uh, hockey was fun. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I played for the Allen Americans in 2015, 2016. Uh, I ended up basically walking on the team. I started as their emergency backup goalie. Uh, so like their third string goalie. And uh, that year there's a lot of injuries with the San Jose Sharks. So uh, a bunch of our goalies got called up and, I basically um, ended up staying with the team the whole season as their uh, number two and number three. And we ended up winning the ECHL championship that year as well. So um, we got to win a championship my rookie year. And, yeah, it it was fun. I got to play um, or I got to dress for uh, the Kansas City Mavericks as well and uh, the Alaska Aces before they ended up folding a couple years later
0: that's really cool and crypto uh so actually making money in the in the uh the the crypto game so how did you get into that
1: um so um I work for a major investment bank and they started their crypto unit in about 2016 and they're slowly building it up um so like we my side of we don't do any like investing in crypto or anything we're more about transaction processing um so um, they're actually going to pay for, um, a course from Cornell, uh, shortly, uh, on blockchain essentials. So I'll have a, another certificate to show. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's very cool to be one of the few people who has a legitimate crypto job at this point.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's really awesome. Um, Josh, how can our listeners find
1: you? Um, so I am mostly on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Josh Trim TV. Um, and if you want to be on my podcast yes. where uh, we talk about uh, TV shows that I've ended, feel free to hit me up there or at Trim TV. Or actually, let me double check that email address I'm about to give you. <laughs> oh, yep. Uh, Trim TV at uh, uh, Gmail awesome Uh, but my preference is uh uh instagram messenger is where i'm most active perfect
0: on the podcast six months you said about six months in on this
1: yeah um we're we're slowly getting episodes out um i think um my expanse episode is probably going to be episode seven or eight Uh, so we're slowly building up um, we try to go no spoilers. Some of the things, some of the shows, you can't really do that. But for the most part, uh, we try to have a discussion, get you interested in it. And um, if you're a fan of it, you can also join in because we do uh, tend to get in depth and talk about um, the show in a mostly spoiler free way.
0: Awesome. Josh, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed uh, getting to hang out with you, talk about this movie. This was an absolute pleasure yeah, no uh, chatting with you. And I'll definitely hit you up because, I, you know, if you're. If you'll have me, I'd love to come on and uh, talk a little TV with you.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to have you. Whatever you want to talk about, just let me know, and I'll I'll start watching it again and get brushed up.
0: Awesome, ladies and gentlemen, Josh Trimberger. Again, thank you to Josh for hopping on the podcast. I had a wonderful conversation. Hopefully, you you did as well. Uh, doing these podcasts is more for you than for me. Although you know, I I I, I do enjoy this myself, but. I like bringing people out here and seeing what, what films, you know, rock their world, uh, to, to use a a music pun. Uh, not a good one, but Hey, what can I say? Um, that's all right. Point is hopefully you had a great time, uh, listening to this because I had a wonderful time recording this conversation. It was fun revisiting empire records as it's, it's such a, uh, important, uh, film for me, obviously, when I think of soundtracks, but also kind of when I saw this movie, because I would have been 16 when this movie came out or around the time that I saw it. And, you know, again, I, I I said it in the recording, but I loved it. You know, this movie clicked with me instantly. And it certainly clicked with Josh as he spoke about the movie very, very passionately. But if you haven't seen the movie, check it out. It's available virtually anywhere. And um, yeah, that's all I've got for you this time around. But of course, we've got a couple more episodes that we are going to be publishing before the end of the year and be on the lookout because we'll be coming at you again real soon. Again, if you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe to Stamper Stamper Cinema. It's available on whatever podcast platform you're listening to it right now. And of course, you can always subscribe on my website, stampercinema.com. But until next time, this is Andrew saying thank you very much for listening to Stamper Cinema.